Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We're hoping you'll let us know where you think we got it right and where we totally missed the point, which you can do by visiting unsilentpodcast.com. Now, let's get into it. So, Brian, what should we talk about today? Well, today, Dave, I think we'll get into maybe the most visually representative symbol of the last 15 years, watching how our values have changed, our priorities have changed, our idea of how we solve problems have changed, and that is homelessness. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's uh, a stark difference in now, 2023, than, I mean, 20 years ago, it's it's night and day different. 25 right. years ago, 30 years ago, it's it's really different. And the conversation, of course, is so different. We've gone from shaming these people in, you know, the 80s, I would guess, like that far back, probably like we, you would, I would imagine most people would drive by and be like, hey, what's wrong with them? They're homeless. To then... Um, some sort of pity to then some sort of, well, they can't do anything about it. Like we need to help them. And then to some sort of now it's morphed into more of a, well, they're entitled to be here as much as anybody and who cares what, and we're going to overlook all the things that are happening that are leading here. We're certainly not going to diagnose anything as to what, what's leading folks down this path. And once they're here, who are we to say what they do? And it's really interesting um, to just watch how that whole thing has evolved. Well, and it's even one step beyond that, I think. So we've gone to don't judge them because they're drug addicted to let's put in vending machines with heroin in them so that at least when they shoot up the stuff that we can't stop them from shooting up and killing themselves, at least they'll have clean needles. So we started off with needle exchange programs, and then we ultimately moved to the government providing heroin and other things for people to slowly kill themselves that I never thought I would see that. Yeah. The, the, when I was growing up, it was the war on drugs, just say no campaign right to now, you know, uh, I don't know what 30 years later, 20, 35 years later, whatever. Um, the government literally, like you're saying, providing locations (laughs) and the appliances and the, the, the actual substances in some cases, for them to do this thing. And it really, of, of, I guess all the things we talked about probably could be, this could be said about, but it really does seem like either the people making the policies want more of this, or they really had not thought through the policies and, and have any kind of measurable outcomes that they're trying to achieve. Like, it just seems like right. either they want more or they're indifferent to how the results are, as long as they feel good about what they're doing. It, it, it Now, again, I want to be really I don't want to be so jaded and cynical that I'm missing obvious <laughs> things. It, honestly, are there are there other possibilities? I'm sure there are. What, what other possibilities are there, Dave, besides those two? Well, I, I think, and you mentioned it in, in the intro, I think one of the possibilities, and this goes straight to this idea of providing needles and doing, do, providing, you know, clean drug shoot-up sites and, you know, uh, this type of thing. I think there's the, there's the very real possibility of, of uh, a big swath of our society saying we give up, we can't solve it. It's unsolvable. I mean, yeah. you know, if we, if we think about it, there was, I think it was in Seattle or King County, uh, like in the early two thousands, there was this idea of, uh, I think it was 10 years to solve homelessness. We're going to throw an insane amount of money at it, which they did. And they're going to, we're going to, we're going to have like 10 years to solve homelessness and we're going to have this big effort. It's going to be funded. And then 10 years later, after this was supposed to have been solved, it's much worse. And so yeah. there's, there's a certain uh, level that says, I think there's a certain, you know, we're resigned to this. When we get to the point where we're not saying we're going to solve it, but we're going to engage in what's called harm reduction. So not, not preventing harm, but harm reduction. So that's one right. of the things that gets bandied about. And, you know, who can, who can object to this idea of harm reduction, right? I mean, we, we don't want people to be harmed, but if we have the, the possibility of actually solving it, isn't that better? Wouldn't that be a better solution yeah. than just saying we're going to live with it? 
Well, and also the these nebulous terms like harm reduction sound fantastic. Yes. But when you when you dive in just a degree or two past the surface level, you find out they mean harm reduction to the homeless people. We don't mean harm reduction to the children at the school where the playground is being taken over. Right. That we don't mean harm reduction. They just need to like learn how to live with this thing. And yeah. if one or two of them gets hurt along the way, like what well, eh, that's just the that's just the, the cost of doing business nowadays. That is the the one of the things we're like again going back to either there's no outcomes identified or or something like or, or they just flat want more of this. And I think that part part of it is I agree with you hundred percent. This seems like such a huge problem, especially if as you and I have talked about in previous episodes, and I'm sure we will talk about this a lot because this is a very, very much a through line thought, I think, or concept. If you dive into this topic with any degree of objectivity, you will certainly encounter people who are taking advantage of situations and you have to, you have to start talking about shame again. And you have to start accepting that some people are just do bad things. And some people don't mind hurting other people. And some people just, don't want their lives to go. They've given up on life or, or they, right. and they, or their, their idea of, of a good life is whatever they can extract from somebody. There, there are people who believe these things. Right. And if you, if you scratch beyond this, the surface level, Gavin Newsom's explanation of homelessness, <laughs> the face of homelessness is the single mom with three kids who lost her job at the factory last week. Right. A little bit of objective, uh, objective diving in will, will show us that, 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 that persona he described there is considerably less than 5% of the people we're talking about. Oh yeah. It's, it's not, I mean the, the problem that we have, even the term that we use, we use the term homeless or we use the term unhoused or unsheltered. Those yeah. terms are, are, are not accurate. I mean, yes, there's people living on the street. They don't have a home, but the question you have to ask is why don't they have a home? Is it because right. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this and, and somebody I know is, is in San Francisco right now. And part of the discussion was it, the cost of living down here is just so horrendous. I wonder if that's what contributes to this. And what I said is, let's play a, let's play a thought game. What yeah. the people that you walked past on the street, if we reduced the cost of, of housing, apartments, et cetera, by 90% tomorrow, most of the people you encountered on the street, would that immediately translate to them being able to go get a home? No. Right. Because so let's the majority the of quick, it is what, what do you, the average cost of a house in San Francisco is probably a million bucks. Is that about right? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying reduce that by 900,000. So we make the cost of a house a hundred grand. And then I'm sorry to just what, just for folks to context who may not know what the house cost of housing is in San Francisco. Right. And then, and then does, does that is, is the reduction in the cost of living to uh, 10% of what it is today? Does that, ultimately solve or does it make a big impact on the homelessness crisis? And the answer is no, because the people right. that you're walking past on the street are strung out on fentanyl or strung out on heroin or strung out on cocaine. They're, they're mentally ill. We have a, a mental illness and an addiction problem first and foremost. The amount, you know, all the data that we have now, if you get past the euphemisms and get past the activists and all that, the majority of the people that are, and they're suffering. I mean, you know, that's no way to live in my opinion. Um, right. They're suffering. So the majority of people that are suffering like this are suffering this way because of something other than not having a house. Not having a house is a, is a, a symptom of a much deeper disease. And until we deal very succinct, succinctly with this deeper disease, we're not going to solve homelessness. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's, there's many levels. Again, this is a massive problem, and I'm not. I don't mean to, to talk about this in such a, a way that I think the solutions are are simple or easy. Right. Or, I, uh, I do think that making some progress is simple and easy. Yes. Making making the better situation in a, a measurable way better, not worse. I think is simple and easy. Is solving the entire problem? So no, I. No. I suspect this kind of thing has been going on for thousands of years and will be thousands of years after you and I are long gone. Right. Because it is such a massive thing. There's so many uh, variables. There's so much nuance. Each person's case is the same, is different. But there are some generalities. There is a massive drug problem that is only affecting poor people or people who move away from home and get lost and nobody cares about them. And and there is kind of this 
eh, NIMBY kind of thing. As long as it's not my kid, like, you right. know, yeah, it sucks for them. I understand it's really bad and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I'm going to go about my, ba- about my day. And that's fine unless you're the person elected to solve these problems. Right, right. Well, and that then gets to the other point of, so how much of the reason we can't solve this is because we just don't know how and we've given up. And how much of the, the fact that we can't solve this is due to the fact that we do have billions and billions of dollars. And there is what a lot of people call the homeless industrial complex. We spend, yeah. you know, money on very high paid people that are supposed to deal with this issue and they keep getting their contracts renewed, 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 renewed. We keep throwing billions of dollars at it. If we solved it and that went away, what, you know, who's got the financial incentive to solve it? You know, unless we get serious about it and, and we are, and we, and we don't have people that are just in it for the money. And I think, you know, again, I don't want to be too cynical about it, but I think it's, it's very true that there's people that are doing all sorts of odd things that just sort of, uh, keep it so it's not completely exploding. Well, maybe they're not doing a good job at that. But they're not, they're keeping it at a, at a level that they can continue to get funded. And that, that's a, yeah. that's a real shame. That's a real shame. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, um, not to bleed into a different topic, but, but there are these kinds of problems we have because we are financially incentivizing the cure, not the outcome we would like. So, for example, that's right. I suspect that if we, if we pay, if we were some, if I could wait, may, wave a magic wand and, and, and create some system that I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but if I could create some kind of system where medical companies were paid based on how well people were, I suspect the number of prescribed drugs, drugs would go down significantly. Absolutely. If drug companies were paid on how well people were, I suspect there would be fewer. And, and the same kind of thing is with mental health. Yes, there are absolutely, I'm sure, counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors out there who are very much interested in treating somebody a handful of times on a treatment plan and then turning them loose to be better and and well enough to move on with their life in a different capacity. And there's a lot of people in those industries whose business plan is we, we get a client for life who comes and sees us once, twice, three times a week, and that when you when you scale that that becomes an insurmountable expense yes it, it's management in because you get paid for management you don't get paid to solve it but you know just yeah. and, and again not to get too far off topic but but there are uh, clinics in the world that in in the United States that do operate by the health model that you pay a subscription yeah. to and their goal is to keep you healthy not to treat right. Uh, the disease that comes up. And, yeah. and so, you know, if, if we did have a model like that, and that's how we incentivized, for instance, maybe bonuses for people that are working in this, what we call the homeless industrial complex, and said for, for all of the people that you take through this arduous process to become sober, to then get some whatever training and counseling that they need, and they get a job for every one of those, you're going to get a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Right. I, I would guess, I would guess, and maybe I'm, maybe it's oversimplification. I would guess we would have a lot more people that are going through that process and are getting to the point where they're qualifying for those bonuses because they're incentivized to do that. You, anything yeah. that we incentivize with tax money gets done. There's, you get more of it. If you, right. if you penalize it. So, you know, we, and we've done this with sin taxes forever. We did this with, with cigarettes, right? We started putting tax, tax upon tax. Cigarette use goes down, 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 down. It doesn't go all the way away, but we disincentivized it with tax dollars. The things we incentivize with tax dollars, you're going to get more of. And so it's not a surprise at all to me that when we spent billions of dollars on solving homelessness, we got more of it because we incentivized it. Right. When you incentivize the treatment of the malady that you don't like, you get more of the malady because people find more of the malady than they found before. Absolutely. There's no, there's, there's no question. So I, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, like, you know, and I, I kind of concurred with this, which I still do. Like there, there are these problems and this certainly qualifies that are just off the charts. Huge. Yes. I don't believe though, that outside of things like understanding how the, the universe was created and things like that, it just, really, really huge scientific things we just don't know yet. Right. Systemic process-related um, human behavior types of things. I don't believe these are un- unsolvable problems. I believe that right. these are not problems that are that are financially 
incentivized to be solved. And I don't think that people who are in positions to create policies and, and laws and, and actually put these things in place want to have the honest conversations necessary, and, which means the reason they don't want that is because the voters don't want to have the honest conversations necessary. Right. A person, a, a, a politician who tells the truth about, hey, we would have to cut Medicare or we'd have to do this or that to get our budget in alignment is not likely to get uh, elected. Like, exactly, like it's just right. A, exactly a fact, right. right? But there's got to be a way to make progress. Or is it one of those things like many things like crime and other things that until this starts affecting wealthy people who get to fund the politicians to make the policies they want until them and their families and their property and their stuff gets negatively affected bad enough. This is just the way it's going to be. It kind of feels like that to me. And again, I don't want to be too cynical. I, I don't want to, but I also don't want to be naive and be like, Oh yeah, of course we're making progress in this one. We're clearly or not. It's clearly worse everywhere you look. Well, and I, I think that's true. And until, until enough people have an aha moment, no, it's not going to get solved. We're just going to keep building gated communities to keep out the bad elements, the, the crime and the homelessness and the, and the, you know, addiction, et cetera. And we're going to, you know, keep having our, us and them and they're out there and we say good things about them. Oh, I hope they get help, but we don't do anything about it. You know, yeah. the other thing I think we got to pl place into this conversation though is, the rise in homelessness has come along with the rise in in addiction in people in the the power of our recreational drugs, the acceptance of recreational drugs by our society. Um, you know, you, you can you can say that it's you know I'm kind of a libertarian when it comes to things like you know you do what you yeah. do in your house and and I don't really care. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, the that the means rise you're, you're a hard right neo-fascist now i don't know if you know that or not Dave, but if <laughs> you're libertarian be. <laughs> you are now like goose stepping from from the, right. the car to the office every morning yeah that, that's got to be it it's uh well to believe some people on facebook maybe that, that could be true that's, yeah that's kind sorry, of sorry to i couldn't help myself <laughs> but if but you know if if we define the problem again back to the majority of it is addiction and the majority of it is mental illness and a lot of the mental illness comes from addiction comes from people messing up their brains with yeah. super powerful um, uh, addictive drugs, then you've we have something we can deal with. But the, the other problem with this is that the, the question is how do you deal with it? Well, it, it's it's very popular to say we're going to make programs available for people who want to sign up to help uh, treat their addiction. Now, if if you're a heroin addict, if you're a coke addict, if you're a meth addict, uh, is the first thing you want to do every day get up and find a program? I mean, some do, but the, in, in a lot of those cases, you find that folks are the first thing they're getting up and thinking of, how do I get my next fix? So yeah. what do you do? If, if that's the majority of the case, then what do you do? Well, it seems to me, again, not to oversimplify, but it seems to me that if we went back to a model that said public drunkenness, whether it's, it's drunkenness from alcohol or it's drunkenness from, from heroin or pot or anything is both something to be ashamed of, you know, bring back the shame factor. Uh, that yeah. keeps a lot of people in line. And also well, we're going to up impacting somebody else for your own pleasure is something that we used to feel shame about that we don't right. know. So it's not, it's not specific exactly. to drug. Again, I can weigh 500 pounds until I want us on the airplane seat and, and 150 pounds that spills into your seat. Now that's a problem I should, I should care about. So it's not a drug thing. It's a, it's a imposing negative yeah. outcomes on somebody else for our benefit or our, our, uh, lack of concern. That's, well, that's and imposing shame, our values. Right? I mean, shame has become, if, if you shame somebody in modern society, that's one of the new seven deadly sins. Because right. whatever you choose is, 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 it's your choice. And even if it negatively affects society. But going back to your example of public drunkenness, my point is that it's not the, it's not the public drunkenness that should be shame about. It's the negative impact that it has on other people for your own yeah. pleasure. Again, Smoking, right. I, I'm, I'm very much like smoking is fine until I have to breathe as a non-smoker. Right. Smoking is not okay with me, right? <laughs> right Same thing exactly. with public drunkenness. So it, my point is, like, it's uh, the the shame is not because I know people will listen to this and go, "Well, there you go. You guys think you should have shame if you're addicted?" That's not what Dave's saying. Right, right. The shame is the impact negatively on other people, not the exactly. chemical reaction that's happening in your brain. 
Right, exactly. And and by the time somebody becomes an addict, it's 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 well past the time where they're going to care at that point what you think of them anyway. So it's not you know shame is not something it's not a curative technique by any stretch of the imagination. But it was a boundary that kept a lot of people from trying drugs, from trying uh, things that would help make them lose control when i was growing up yeah. that was that was the that was something like man i'll get in trouble people think i'm a i'm a dope head i don't want to do that even though somebody says well why don't you try this so i i think if we if we define the problem in terms of of what we're doing to ourselves the rise of of acceptance of drug culture uh under this idea of do what you want and as long as you don't impact me it's not a big deal at the same time that's when we see saw homelessness increase because more people tried it. You make it, you know, in Washington state right now. And, and I, I had mixed feelings about this because, uh, you know, okay, pot, you, you, you want to do pot at your house? Fine. Just don't drive. But the amount right. of people that have um, the amount of, of under the influence, um, uh, car accidents since pot's been legalized has skyrocketed. I mean, it's, it, I mean, obviously that was going to happen because people are going to do it that didn't before. And, you know, then you've got the discussion of gateway drugs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think we've got to, uh, we have to address the problem like it really is. We've got a mental illness problem and we shut down all of our mental hospitals, most of them, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. We said, we're not right. going to stick people in mental hospitals anymore. And we're certainly not going to do it against their will. And we said, you know, whatever you want to do, if it feels good, do it, you know, sort of comes out, out of the counter counterculture of the 60s. And so we became more and more and more permissive. I, somebody told me the other day the war on drugs failed. And I said, no, it seems to me the war on drugs was pretty successful. It's the it's the uh, promotion of of any kind of if it feels good, do it. That's really caused yeah. most of our homeless problem right now. I, I think the cartels would say the war on drugs was a, a, a overwhelming success. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and what's an overwhelming success right now is is the the cartels have a great business model, a, an evil yeah. one, but a great business model because they could just do open air sales in Seattle and San Francisco and Chicago and anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to, to something you said a couple minutes ago, I, just, I, I think this is an important point to not lose sight of. As human beings, like Tony Robbins is famous for saying that, which Tony Robbins bringing him up in a homelessness conversation doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I've probably, heard that, that before. Tony Robbins says this. Uh, Mary Kay Ash, who founded Mary Kay Cosmetics, says this or said this. And that is, we say the same until the pain of being the same is greater than the pain of changing. Right. That's good. And and it's 100% applicable to the homelessness thing. Yeah, everybody recognizes the homelessness sucks. But if I'm still able to make my paycheck and I'm still able to pay for my mortgage, I'm still able to go on my three vacations a year and I'm still able to send my kids wherever, it sucks, but it's not. it doesn't suck bad enough to really negatively impact my life. So therefore, why would I change? And so when I talk about this not changing until it affects rich people who fund the politicians who make the policies, I'm not – yes, I'm being cynical, but also – there's a real life human element to this. This is how we're wired. This is how right. we make decisions. Yep. We take the easiest path possible at all times. And that's an efficiency thing. That's an, you know, whatever. There's reasons for this, right? So it's, it's, if we could find a way to speed that up though, and incentivize better outcomes, we don't have to wait until we hit rock bottom, pun intended on the homelessness issue to take on the drug issue. The second thing I think that is, is missing in the, the, the homelessness piece and getting into the addiction element of that. Dave, would you hire a piano teacher to teach your kid how to play the piano who'd never played the piano themselves, but only had read books on how to play the piano? Right. No, huh? Of course not. Of course not. So we have this situation with addiction and I have, you know, more knowledge than I would like to have about addiction and how it works and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I'll just say that. You have people who have gone to great schools and have great certifications and accreditations and blah, 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 blah. And they're the experts who are doing the exact opposite of what recovered addicts tell them to do to solve addiction problems. Sure. And, and it's, okay, well, you listen to the expert who has the nice certificate on their wall from Evergreen State College or whatever it is. And you're dismissing the person who actually solved this problem, actually right. went through the process of getting clean from living on the street, doing the things that we don't want now, and actually know, and knows, can tell you step by step, here's where I'm going to manipulate you as the right. addict. Here's where I'm going to take advantage of these situations because you have this, this do-gooder kind of approach that is 
easily manipulated. And right. here's the loophole. And they don't want to hear any part of that because, again, it gets back to having to hold people accountable, which in which you do through shame and and their and their uh, positive self image might be affected. And it's really society's its fault and it's systemic. And so we have this kind of combination of we're we're not willing to have a higher expectation. We're willing to settle with this because it's not really affecting the rich people yet who fund the politicians, right? Because the pain of saying the same is not greater than the pain of change. And, and we're, we're, we've delegated this, the solving of the problem to people who, in my opinion, frankly, are not the qual they have qualifications at a, at a governmental education, you know, that level, but they don't have boots on the ground qualifications because they've never done this. Right. And I think that's where, where it has to become a practical anytime you're dealing with, I think, and I work with an organization on the board of an organization that I'm not authorized to talk about because I'm not officially, I'm on the board, but yeah, I'm yeah. not a spokesperson anyway. Um, that, uh, that does, um, uh, drug treatment and, and, um, is very successful at it has been for many years. And a lot of the people that, get into that uh, and the people that are actually doing the counseling and the the hard work with the addicts are people that are not theoreticians they're they're people that that as you're saying you know we we've, we've been dealing as humanity with addiction it's it's part of our culture for thousands you know for since we yeah. started right so it's not yeah. like we're not familiar with this and if if we tap the people that have experience have come through it successfully and 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 then we empower them to get in front of those people this organization that I'm that I work uh uh in support of uh a lot of the um uh patients that are dealt with come because of a court order they come because a judge said you yeah. will go to this yeah. and you will go through this program and you have a choice right. you can stay in jail or you can go to this program, which do you choose? Right. Now, if we made that the standard now, you know, in our society, it's like, well, we can't, you can't incarcerate somebody for a disease. You know, there's, there's lots of platitudes and, and they sound all nice and everything. But when it really comes down to it, a lot of folks, you have to say, you have two choices. You are not going to be drunk on the street. You're not going to be, you know, uh, using heroin on the street. We will not allow that. Right. You can, we will help you. We will offer a hand out to you to help you fix yeah. this thing because you are slowly, I mean, the, if we have compassion on the homeless, then we shouldn't let them slowly kill themselves before our eyes. We should right. go and we can say, you, you can spend the night in jail or you can spend a significant amount of time in jail or you can come here and we're going to help you. We're going to get people that, that know what you're going through. They're going to help you through this and we're going to give you every opportunity to refresh and rejuvenate your life and live a meaningful, healthy life. Which do you choose? Now, you know, what do they call it? Tough love? You know, yes, right. it's, it's tough love. And it's, you know, there's plenty of people yeah. that would yell at me for saying this, but I don't see, given what human nature is, another way that that's going to work. Yeah. And again, this is where like nuance and, and human nature and, and, and quite frankly, the, the significance of the challenge this is for an individual to overcome addiction it's huge it is not something that you just flip a switch and do no it is not something that's likely to have a high percentage of success with right. with everybody getting one try right the, the vast majority of recovered addicts have failed in recovery multiple times you bet so there 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 is a there's a balance that has to be struck and of course to None of us are going to want to do this. We'll have to delegate to some bureaucrat who will screw it up. <laughs> like, like, but there has to be some kind of series of if then kind of paths. Yes. And the first one, like you said, either you go to treatment or you go to jail. Okay. Well, some are going to choose to go to jail because they don't want to go to treatment. Okay. Right. Well, that's fine. You can, you can do that. Your choice. And I'm sure there's drugs available in jail, which might, might be part of the reason they do that. Some who are going to say, okay, I'll choose the path of going to, to rehab. Some of them are going to fail with every intention of getting better. Yes, there should be and needs to be a path for those folks to to find success and to find right. a path getting clean through a series of if then kinds of things. OK, well, if you, you didn't make it this time, you're going to take a step back. We're gonna, you're going to, you know, ankle monitor. What, what Again, I don't have I don't have this mapped out perfectly in my head, but there's got to be a way that people who have actually done this can help folks walk them yes. through and have behavioral scientists and psychologists and psychologists and psychiatrists. 
craft a plan where people can can walk the maze through and hopefully over 50% come out the other side or some reasonable metric that is success. Way more than what we're doing now, which is well, you know, yeah. a half of a half of a half of a percent are coming out the other side clean. Well, and that's it. I mean, if, if anybody comes to me and says, I have a plan to solve homelessness in 10 years, I'm going to say, I don't believe you because I don't believe it's possible to go from where we're at to zero in in that shorter period of time. What we have to do is we have to make progress it's going to be hard to do. It's going to cost money. I mean, if, you know, I, I am generally opposed to government taxes. Okay. Go on yep. the record. I don't like tax. Yeah. I don't like new taxes, but I realize 100%. in order for us to ha- operate as a society, we have to have uh, money to do that. Governments have to have money to do that. Yeah. I am not opposed to increases in taxation to build more homeless treatment centers to, you know, we got one mental, one, one mental illness hospital, Western state hospital in the state. We need lots more. We got a lot of mentally yeah. ill people. And, you know, is that going to take some money? Yes, it's going to take some money. So yes, I'll, I'll pay more taxes to do that. I would rather they stop paying $600 for toilet seats and, and use that well, money. Yeah. But I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. That, that's, that, that, that's what we'll talk about. That's what we'll do our prevailing so, wage episode. So, so I think, I think we've covered the, the addiction angle. There's, there's no question that's a significant part of this. Yeah. Separate from that and maybe equal I don't know. I don't know the metrics because I don't, I don't, frankly, I don't trust the, the, the math that's being thrown at us because Gavin Newsom still, still says that the single mom with three kids who was right. laid off last week is the face of homelessness. So I, he's not changed the position on that. So I still don't believe the, 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 the descriptions I see in the math, but there is this, this, this piece that we can't overlook, which is the number of, of mental hospitals from 1945 to 1950 now has gone down something like 97%. It's, yeah, we don't do it uh, anymore. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge number. We just right. don't have them anymore. And this is a situation where two things can be true at once. Yes, we had some probably pretty horrific mental hospitals back oh, yeah. then. Oh, yeah. I would argue in 80 years we've made progress on a lot of things, <laughs> and we probably could make progress on that one too if we stuck with it, but okay. Right. I, I understand that there were some really bad places that we would not want to have opened up and operated the way they were. Right. I'm granting that. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't need to be reminded of that. And a percentage of the population is going to be born with mental defects, that's right. whether we like it or not. That's I right. don't know if that's 0.7%. If it's 3.2%, I have no idea what the metrics are on that, but I got to figure if you looked at a thousand year period, there's probably a trend line <laughs> or a trend or a certain percentage of people that must be taken care of in a way that their families cannot or whatever. You bet. Where are those people supposed to go? Currently, the choices seem to be jail or the streets. That's Am right. I missing something there? Well, I mean, some of them get treatment by their family, but not everybody has a family that can take care of somebody who's who's uh, suffering from uh, severe mental illness. So, so that's part of the problem is we if if somebody doesn't conform to our societal standard, we don't have many outlets for them anymore to be to get that kind of treatment because and, and I think a lot of it is because of that stigma. I mean, there's two things really. So it's because of things like lobotomies and, 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 you know, shock yeah. treatment and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Horrific uh, things. You know, it's horrific things. And, and our cultural memory is long enough so that we can, we think of mental hospitals and we think of sort of like medieval torture chambers or something. But, you know, right. You're, you're right. We have made significant progress technologically in our understanding of the brain and the mind. Um, so that, that's not a, a necessity anymore. Uh, but, if we if we had an opportunity for folks to be placed well and and this gets back to not enough mental hospitals and the what what they call involuntary commitment laws are such that it's very 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 difficult to get somebody committed to to a mental hospital most of these school shootings and other shootings that people do always afterwards what do you hear what do you hear the people around them say well i knew there was just not something right about them or uh, the mom yeah. called in and said, you know, they're, they're thinking about this. Well, that's, that's a mental illness that they've got. And there had the, and there was not an opportunity for one reason or another to get them off of the streets and into some place where they didn't write a manifesto and shoot up a bunch of kids. So yeah. if we, if we had, if we, we got to connect all these things together. People are upset about school shootings. They should be. We should be upset about the amount of gun violence. We should be absolutely true, but we ignore what the, the causation 
of these things. We ignore where it, it starts. The germ of these things start in somebody who's not thinking correctly. Or, you know, maybe they've gone right. through abuse and got mental, uh, they have mental illness because of abuse. We need medical and psychological treatment centers that we, and we need easier paths to get people into those things, even if they don't want to. And that's, yeah. that's and, dicey, and this, I know. This, this is the flip side of the shame thing. It used to be that if you had a family member who had an affliction like this and you didn't take care of them, there would be, you would feel shame for abandoning your family. Yes, exactly. And now that shame's out the window, right? like now your own sibling or your aunt or your parent or your child, if they have this affliction, that's now somebody else's problem because right. there's no stigma in just kind of abandoning your family. Now, again, I don't know. I'm not saying that that's most of these situations. I don't know what the math is on how many there are. I do know, I don't know anybody who has a person with a mental affliction that they're taking care of. I know old people who take care of old people for sure. Oh, yeah. And there's great programs out there to pay family members to take care of elderly people. You bet. You could do a very similar thing where you wouldn't have to have a mental hospital. You could pay, you could pay Pam to stay home and take care of her brother. Right. And be a caregiver with like the things like the Cokes program that they do for uh, senior citizens and things like that. Again, I go back to like these seem like solvable problems to me. So, so yes. Dave, help me under and, and and the the people who who are paying the price for not solving these problems. As much as people rail about how we've made so much progress, the people who pay the price are still women and children. That's right. Yes, absolutely. We we, we can go back through history and and the reason armies have been created through history is to protect women and children. Yep. The reason armies have been created throughout history is to go hurt and steal and do things to women and children. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Sure. Like, so as much as we think we've evolved and we've changed and blah, 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 we are letting people run the streets fair or not fair, right or wrong, whatever the outcomes are children are less safe. Women are less safe. Most men can walk down the street in San Francisco and if somebody does something, then they can at least push them away. They can get away, whatever. Right. Children are going to be hurt because they're homeless are taking over the schools and women are going to be hurt because they can find themselves in situations that they're, they're really out muscled out, outnumbered, like whatever to the best of your ability, Dave, explain to me, what is the logic from people who say, this is okay. We should, if we have more of this, it's just all right. What, what is the argument where, the outcome that they're pursuing is so great that it's worth putting these people again, often women and children, even though we've evolved so much, right? We're putting them at risk. What's the argument that I'm missing here? Well, I think what what happens is people will. I mean, it, it's it. If you take the public as a consideration, the the healthy people as a consideration, the, the I think the the philosophical logic behind it is we have to consider first and foremost the homeless person, the mentally ill person, the drug addicted person before we consider anybody else. And so therefore we're not going to really talk about, well, they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't walk downtown. Uh, they, you know, I mean, yeah, we're putting up, we're, we're allowing that homeless camp to be next to that grade school, but the teachers will protect them. There's, there's basically a Literally discounting in the playground in some places, the playgrounds for elementary schools have been taken over as homeless encampments. Yeah. Well, and, and see, again, it's, I, I, I don't think it's that somebody thinks, well, here's, the relative impact on these people in these places, the, the the rest of the public, the quote unquote normal public. I don't think it's the people think, well, you know, uh, maybe the, hopefully it won't be impact. I think they just discount them almost entirely. Say, well, they're the healthy people. Discounted. We shouldn't. We well, we discount their needs. In other words, we think we we have to focus all of our attention on this homeless person, on what they're saying they need, on what they're wanting to do. You know, you can't make um, you can't make being unhoused a crime. You can't make being drug addicted a crime, et cetera. So all of the attention is focused on the freedom and and the rights and the and the and the compassion. There was there's a book written a number of years ago uh, by Marvin Olasky, The Tragedy of American Compassion. And the idea behind it is that we we are so compassionate as society, you become so we can become compassionate to a fault. In other words, our yeah. compassion has been misplaced. It's gone too far. Not that we should be uncompassionate, not that we should be cruel, right. but that we should have boundaries. If you're, if you're complete, if you have no boundaries, 
Say, if you go beyond this boundary, that is where my compassion stops. Well, it doesn't really stop, but that's where my action becomes more firm. And and it's not going to be solely informed by compassion. It's going to be informed by compassion for you, but compassion also for society, for women and children, and the people who are just trying to go about living their lives. The 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 people who are being harmed, I, like the videos I've seen, are <laughs> they're old ladies, especially old Asian ladies, like who oh, yeah. just get like shoved downstairs, or like eighty something year old women, yeah, who are just like stabbed and punched and tackled and kicked and and I, I and what i'm trying to wrap my head around is who is who is the villain in the story that's being told that is so bad that these people are just collateral damage that happens no different than in 1492 when you would have a war and you would shoot your archers would shoot and sometimes you shoot your own guys and you're like ah, oh, it really sucks but that's part that's the price we pay for winning the war Who's the villain here, Dave? Who's the villain that's so evil that these old ladies and women and children are there? The harm to them is being discounted or minimized because if we get the villain, it's worth it. Who? What's it, the it, villain? It, the the well, I mean, I think we're told that the villain are the privileged people. Well, we can't really consider what you know your care for your mom or your sister or your kid as much because we have to consider first and foremost the less fortunate, the less privileged. This is where, again, back to the compassion idea, this is where why, compassion why do we overwhelms. Have to, let's, let's, let's try this to the best of your ability. What, why do we have to consider their needs so highly at this point? Because society has treated them so poorly because they haven't, they haven't gotten the benefits that you and I have. They haven't, they haven't got, they don't have why, money. Why have they not got the benefits that you and I have? To the because best of your ability, because society is, is fundamentally unfair. It's, it's fundamentally bigoted. It's fundamentally uh, it's fundamentally, you know, capitalistic. It allows certain people to prosper while other people. Yeah, it, it's unfair. It's just unfair. Okay, so so again, try not to be too cynical and trying to be objective. And I really mean that. I'm not just I, I'm not just saying that as a platitude. I really do mean that. Yeah. It seems like the solution, though, is creating unfairness. It's creating a, a tilted scale of who could be successful and who can't. The people who live. In certain areas where this happens a lot, those children are going to have less, they're going to have worse test scores, I would imagine, because yes. it's it's a hassle getting to school. Stressful. The, the, yes, the stressful and just like if you're worried about getting, you know, you know, stabbed on the way to school, you're probably going to perform less well on the yeah, test, I would guess. I, would I, don't know, I don't know the math on that, but I'm just guessing. Yeah. Also, the women who live in those areas probably are going to be um, not able to walk to community college and do things to better their life, whatever that might look like for them or, you know, whatever. So it seems like the solution, the, in reality is, is the same outcome as the outcome we're saying that we want to beat, which is a, a set of rules where some people have privileges and some people have oppression and solving that, we're creating oppression and privileges. Am I am I missing anything here? That, that's that's a very good point. Basically, what we're doing is, in the name of fairness, we're distributing the pain. We're distributing the pain from uh, those that are have experienced it, are experiencing it because of you know life's. I don't think anybody starts off as a as a teenager or as a as a kid say, "I want to be homeless. I want to be a a drunk. I want to be." you know, addicted to meth. I don't think anybody starts off like that. Things have happened right. in their lives that have, have been bad and have caused them to uh, fall into the situation. What we want to do rather than to just strictly lift them out of that situation, it seems that the philosophy is we want to distribute that pain across those who have not fallen into that situation, who have not, you know, become addicted to something, who have not gone through the, the, the pain that other people have through their, and, you know, Let's stipulate up front, or well, it's not up front. It's you know forty five minutes in, but let's stipulate that that these folks, um, you know, I I don't believe that you know they've had, they've had bad life circumstances, and bad life circumstances do happen. Uh, you know, things that happen in the universe oftentimes are definitely not fair. They're not just. Um, you know, things happen to people that shouldn't happen to people. That that is absolutely true. We can recognize that, but if we if we say that 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 is true, and as a result of that, somebody has gotten into uh, you know homelessness or mental illness or whatever it happens to be, drug addiction, whatever. If we say 
we're going to concentrate on the fairness aspect of it rather than we're going to concentrate on the curative, on the improvement, on the reduction of harm, if you want to put it that way, aspect of it, then I think we're making a better long-term choice. But it doesn't feel as compassionate because if you're going to help people to get better, you have to have boundaries, right? I mean, you have to have some boundaries. And boundaries are oftentimes not as fair, perhaps, or not as compassionate. Well, it feels, and I've not really thought through this, so so I'm really counting on you to catch me if I'm if I'm saying something that doesn't make sense here. If I'm oversimplifying this, please please tell me. But it feels to me like we are reallocating oppression and privilege just with a new set of values than we had. Like we hate the old set of values. Like we hate the values that were established in 1948 or 1946 or in Christianity or what. We hate those values. Okay. We have a new set of values we really want to ha- we put in place. And based on those new values, now we will decide who gets to be oppressed and who gets to be privileged. Is that too much of an oversimplification? Well, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. I think that's the outcome that we end up with. So I don't think it's necessary. I, it, I don't know if it's intentional, but I think that's the outcome that you end up having. Yeah. I, again, I don't, I'm, to be clear, I don't think it's intentional. I just think that's what's happening. Yes. That, that's the outcome that we have as a result of of compassion that has been misplaced or it's it's gone too far now i mean we we have to i mean my faith teaches me that you know i gotta love my neighbor and i have to you know if if there's somebody to help you you gotta help you you gotta do everything you can to to be to be compassionate to people but oftentimes the most compassionate thing to do is not to provide them the the needle but to provide them the a, a ride that they must take to the mental institution, to whatever it is. That, that's when we become not just a compassionate society, but a wisely compassionate society. And that's yeah. what I think we're missing. Well, there, yeah. You could, you know, to like super simplify things, like you could be compassionate of somebody and like, you know, they need to dig a hole. Okay. I'll get you a shovel. I'll get you the tarp. I'll get you the tools you need. But you got to dig the hole, right? Right. right There's right. certain things I can't do for you. Getting clean and sober is something that cannot be done for a person, right. right? And and that is a truth that we have to recognize. I think by and large, people probably have. It just seems like either, you know, again, not to talk in circles. It it and the compassion angle, I think, does make sense. But there has to be the accountability part. There has to be That's a part right. where we say. This has gone, yes, we empathize, and I, I'm sorry life happened to you this way, and I'm sorry that you found this Oxycontin and whatever, and I hope to, to God that the people who put that in place, the billions that they, they paid in fines, that money goes to help people like you. Right. And, I, and, it, and it sucks that this hardship happened and you lost your child or you, whatever it is. You lost your job and it spun you out, and <laughs> you got to get better. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one piece that's missing. We can if we have compassion but without action to help the situation improve and sometimes help the situation improve even despite the resistance of the person we're trying to help. I mean, you know, if if you if you think about a person drowning and lifeguards are trained, they they go out and some and they're they're swimming out and somebody's thrashing about, you know, they they resist. Sometimes they resist the lifeguard because they're just thrashing right. out. The lifeguard yeah. has to forcefully take them, forcefully, yes. you know, and uh, restrict them, uh, prevent them from thrashing about, and bring them back to shore. That's compassionate. It may not be respecting their free will to thrash about, so, but it saves right. their life. And isn't it more compassionate to help somebody save their life to, to go through the the hard work of of recovery, to go through the hard work of if, if for the for the small percentage that do or that are economically for the Gavin Newsom's one uh, people for this, and that's a small percentage that are economically homeless. People yes. usually l- become homeless because of other circumstances, not because of economics. Right. Um, and yes, I realize house prices are too high, but for the small percentage of people that are economically homeless, uh, helping them get retraining as as a result of that, that's the compassionate thing to do. But you can't go to work for them. Yeah. Well, I would argue places like Seattle and San Francisco, where the price of housing is too high, they could uh, revise some of their building codes that would dramatically lower the cost of housing if they really were serious about that. But well, that's a whole different topic. We Look at a contractor that. guy. 
yeah, yes. Uh, the city of Seattle, I think their their building code is 700 pages. It's the biggest one in the entire country. And then you know, <laughs> it, but again, they cry about how the the housing is too expensive. Meanwhile, right. they're the code that they have in place do not allow it, it's stuff that would make housing way cheaper. Any, anyhow, I, I, again, I don't want to get sidetracked with that. <laughs> I, I do think that, that, you know, there, there's, there's gotta be somebody who has a plan. And the, do you think if somebody did, did pipe up with a plan and say, we can solve this problem. And I, I, I honestly do think we could solve it in 10 years. Not, I don't mean like have zero yeah, homeless yeah. people, but get back to, you know, 1994 levels. I sure. think we could do that in 10 sure. years. If we, if we a person like that who came up with a plan, do you think, do you think that person would get any traction? No, see, and Brian, there has, there have been people that have done that. There's been organizations that have run projects across the, in, in various places in the country. And, and I've read a number of them where they've, they've actually done projects that have gotten people not to just maintain their homeless state, but have gotten them out of it that have, that have helped them with, with all the different things that go into that. And, and because they don't follow the, well, for instance, the, there's been a, a great, not to get too far in the details, but there's been a, been a, a basically a philosophy that's called housing first. And this is why in, in housing first scenarios to get a lot of this funding, if you had restrictions like, well, you, you can't get drunk in the housing that we provide. Well, that doesn't get funded because it doesn't follow the housing first kind of scenario. The housing first philosophy is first you give them a place to live with no restrictions. No, you know, this is why when, when King County, when they're buying all these, these hotels and motels and, and all of this, why that, you know, they're trashing them. They have to, to, um, um, you know, shut them down. It's been a, a dismal disaster because the, what works, it, we do have a lot of examples. We know a lot of things that do work. But if it doesn't follow the current government guidelines, because it's based on a, on a, on a certain philosophical perspective, then they don't move forward. I, I've just seen tons of these at the, yeah. at the end of, you, you probably saw the Seattle is dying. Um, yeah. Uh, at the end of that, I don't remember the details, but, uh, we can recommend, or I can recommend this to people. Um, at the end of that, there were examples of places. I think there was one of them in Boston that had a great track record with this. And so yeah. there are examples of things that do work. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and so there are examples, but if the entrenched systems, and this is why earlier I was railing against the homeless industrial complex, because if the entrenched systems, uh, suck up all the money for this and they won't do something that is demonstrated to be a positive benefit and to help people, then we're not going to get it solved. Yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball at you and I, and I, people are going to think I'm a religious zealot for when, when I say this probably because <laughs> I've, I've talked about how I think part of what we're over the last few episodes, part of what we're dealing with is just people re rebelling against traditional Judeo Christian values. Sure. And I'm not a, I, you know, I, I don't have a, a theological background, <laughs> but I, I, I've enjoyed the, the benefits that have come from living in society with traditional Judeo Christian values. So I, I'm all for them, <laughs> but I wonder, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. So do you, I just Googled um, the 12 steps of AA. Yeah. Do you, do you know what the, you, you've heard of the 12 yes. steps? You know what they yes. are. So yep. step, step yep. one is, what do you, what, I, I don't one, remember, the, I don't remember the steps. Okay, I remember step, the, step, the, step one is you admitted you had a problem basically. Like, oh, yeah, the, yeah. like that, that's, that's for, step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could yeah. restore us to sanity. Yeah. I wonder if the reason, one of the reasons that there would be put, I don't, I agree that if somebody came along and said they had a solution, I don't think that person would get any traction. Right. I don't, I, I don't in my gut, I don't believe the Gavin Newsom's of the world, the, the, uh, the mayor of whatever cities that's dealing with this in San Francisco. Yeah. I, I don't believe they want a solution. I, I think one of the reasons that they would push back on a solution is because the, the best known programs to get people clean and sober are 12 step programs. You bet. Absolutely. Step two is coming to believe in a power greater than ourselves. They used to call it God back in 1934 yep. when the, when the, when the, right. when the 12th were created or whatever, they don't call it God anymore. They say a power greater than themselves. Right. But that is antithetical or it's, it's the opposite of what, of what everyone, uh, they, these people in power are pushing for. Well, do, do you think there's an element of that? Or do you think I'm just stretch, stretching way too far? No, a hundred percent. I mean, first of all, uh, I think one of the reasons that AA and other programs like it have been successful is because 
you know, they follow this pattern. I mean, the, the 12 step program is a successful pattern. It's not a cure all. It's not a magic, ma- but, but, it, no. but it is a, it's, it's a successful and it, program. And it, it's a wild success and it has something yes. like a 33% success rate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's wildly <laughs> successful in that space. So, yeah. but, but I think the reason that that, that there's pushback against that ends up being because, uh, if, if you, uh, and if you want to be as a government official, if you think that, God is government is G, then you can't, yeah. you, you will have, you know, one of the, the first of the 10 commandments, you're not going to have any other gods before me. Well, government yeah. believes that same thing, except it's, you're not going to have any other gods before me. Government, yeah. small G. I, I had not really thought of this until you just were talking about something a minute ago. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if there's an element of that. Like if, if I'm sure, I mean, one of the worst things the government could, could ask for right now is for somebody to come in and believe something that more powerful than them. Oh yeah, it's competition. I, it's competition. I, I, I never really thought. I never really thought through this before this moment. So I don't. Again, I, a couple of these things that we're talking about, I've not fully thought through. They're just kind of coming to me. So, so forgive me for not having well <laughs> thought out ideas here. But um, anyhow, so we we've covered the 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 uh, addiction part. We've covered the mental health part. The last piece is that 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 will kind of segue into something we'll talk about in the future. I'm sure is. This is this this problem is growing leaps and bound because of of the immigration, and it it just feels like this thing is gaining speed in twenty twenty three. It's gaining momentum, not losing it. Does it feel like that to you as well? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's I think there's the immigration issue because we've got more fentanyl coming into this country than is necessary to kill three times the number of people we have in this country. And I think the other yeah. part of that is the, and the reason that that and, and drug addiction has become, you know, uh, fentanyl deaths are the number one cause of death between people 18 to 45 years old in this country. Number one, fentanyl. Yeah. So part yeah. of the problem is our, our technology is killing us. The, uh, whether you talk about uh, all the different types of drugs that we have today. And this is part of the drug piece. Um, uh, and I realize that's not the whole thing, but the, they're so much more potent today than they were in the eighties or the sixties or, you know, yeah. even pot. It's, it's yeah, tremendously it's, more potent. Even, yeah. Pot's something like, I don't know that it's, it's 20 times. It, it's, it's a yeah. lot. It's, it's a completely sure. different it's thing. 70 times. It, it's completely different. So before you run out of time, uh, Dave, do you, do you also think that the people who are going through this affliction, so we have the, the women and children is collateral damage, but we also have the people who are actually dying of this stuff. Yes. The, the hundred thousand people a year who are dying from fentanyl, the who knows how many are dying from stabbings and the homeless encampments and explosions and fires and and uh, the plague I heard was coming back in one oh, of yeah, them in yeah, San Francisco, yeah. Seattle, or something. Plague, like, yes. literally the Black Death. Yep. Like, um, do you feel like the people who are allowing this or even kind of nudging this along, however you want to look at it, these folks are also just collateral damage and the and the the villain, the the patriarchal unfair society is so bad that these people have to go through this affliction. That's just, a, that's just the cost of winning the war. Do you, no, do you, I, is it that no. cynical do you think? I, well, I, I think, I think that it, I think it really go, comes back to the, the two things we've talked about earlier. I think it comes back to uh, a government that's not going to let a crisis go to waste. Politicians are not going to let a crisis go to waste. It's going to come back yeah. to a society that doesn't take this seriously enough. I mean, we complain about it, we see about it, but we don't do anything yeah. about it. I mean, I think, I think anybody who's concerned about it that's, that's part of our, whatever our audience is, um, they ought to do something about it. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, join a board. I, I learned more about this by joining a board that, that yeah. deals with this on a day in and day out basis than you could possibly gain from, from, you know, the news. So I think it's, I think yeah. it's all of those things. I think there's, it's apathy. Ask a friend of yours that has recovered from this, what it's really like. And I promise you, yeah. they will tell you, they would not wish this on their worst enemy. Right. They would not, they would, I, I asked a friend of mine, a, a really good friend of mine who I know has gone through this. And, and I said, help me understand the business model for the cartel. They're, they're, Fino kills people. It has, it has right. a very high death rate. Yep. I, what's the business model here? I don't get it. Like killing your clients. Repeat customers. Because you don't understand. An addict hears about a drug so powerful, kills somebody. They don't run from it. They can't wait to try it. Right. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like there's stuff like that. You'll learn, you'll learn from talking to somebody who has been through this. Dave, we're out of time. I think you hit on a really great point there right at the very end. We're going to have to expand on that some more. Is this not the government, not letting a, a, a crisis go to waste. 
and kind of like we're incentivizing the sale of uh, medications to cure illness instead of incentivizing wellness. Right. We, I think you're honest in there. We've, we are incentivizing a government who promotes, allows, creates, sustains crises because fear sells and fear drives us to action. That's right. Rather than happiness and, and satisfaction and things like that. I think exactly. that's a lot to come back and talk about. Uh, those of you listening, please, as we've mentioned before, tell us where you think we got it right. Tell you, tell us where you think we completely missed it. You can do that. Uh, go to unsilentpodcast.com. You'll have links to all kinds of our, all of our uh, social channels there, but you can also find us on YouTube and rumble. That's where you can see the videos. If you like video better than audio only and uh, great, great forum there to, to put your comments and, and, and please tell us where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. We want to be hundred percent genuine, honest, objective, and sincere about this. We do not want this to be just two dudes in their little uh, echo chamber telling each other how smart they are. We want to find out what we really are missing in this conversation because these are important topics. So that's it for this time. Until next time, this is Dave and Brian signing off. See you next week. Do you want to be on silent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 